the Sideways, Book One, Awake, written and narrated by Andy Havens. If you're enjoying the podcast or you've enjoyed the written book, we'd always appreciate a share on your favorite social network. That's www.the-side-ways.com. Thanks for listening. Chapter 6, Part 2 For a moment, it didn't seem like flying to Kendra. She touched Paragirl's hand, and something changed, and she wasn't in the restaurant, and she was spinning, and there were colors, and a wind, and flashes of light, and darkness, and it was very cold for a moment, and then she was climbing into a bright blue sky, like diving off a diving board, but in reverse. The air sped by her, whipping her hair and stinging her eyes, and she saw the clouds above her coming closer, and she looked down to see the streets and buildings getting further away, and Parrot Girl grinned at her and bent a bit to one side, and the world tipped and turned again, only this time it was part of the flight, and the sky leaned one way, and they dove the other, and picked up speed, and were hurtling towards a park, and a pond, and... Kendra threw up. A lot. She was looking down at the moment, which was, she supposed, a small blessing, and she just managed to see that she'd showered a flock of pigeons with vomit before Parrot Girl noticed, looked very scared and sorry, and took both of her hands in hers, and there was another flash, and they were sitting on a bench on the other side of the pond. Are you okay? the young blonde girl asked. Her wings were folded now, or invisible, or something, and Kendra wiped her mouth on the back of her hand and managed a weak nod. Good, said Parrot Girl, because we can't stay here. I, Kendra said, but Parrot Girl grabbed her hand, and there was another flash, and another, and another, and after each one Kendra felt as if she might throw up again, but they happened too quickly, and there wasn't enough time to see anything except brief freeze-frame images of... A hillside overlooking the city, she vaguely recognized it from pictures. A roadside rest stop with RVs and eighteen-wheeler trucks. A field of grain with a single enormous tree in the middle of it. The deck of a large ship with containers and a crane. The shore of a cold beach, gray sky, and white gulls above. The first-class compartment of a jetliner. Some kind of platform in the middle of the ocean. Another beach. This one warmer, but darker with a couple sitting on a blanket near the high tide mark, an old burned-out building of some kind, maybe a mill or a barn, the silhouette of a castle. That last one stuck. Kendra felt stone beneath her feet, leaned forward to feel it under her hands, too, a low wall, about waist-high, rough stone, old stone, soft with moss and thyme. Parrot Girl put a hand on her shoulder and said, we can stay here, at least for... Kendra threw up again over the side of the wall and heard it splash on a surface some distance below. It took a few minutes, but the world and her stomach stopped spinning. Beyond vertigo, she felt as if her mind had been disconnected from her body and dragged along behind her like the tail of a kite. She slumped down on the stone floor of the... Wall? Battlement? What do you call this? and tucked her face down between her knees. It was quiet there. Just the wind and the stones and a few peeping bugs. Nice and cool. A good summer evening temperature. 
After a few minutes, Kendra was able to look up and notice that it was late afternoon, the sun hanging low in the sky over a flat line of gray that she thought must be the sea. A small hand appeared in front of her with an unwrapped stick of gum. Without thinking, she took it and began chewing. In a little while, Kendra nodded and said, Ah, juicy fruit. Parrot Girl chuckled. No, it's double mint, but that's funny. I, I get the reference. I figured, after your awful Arnold impersonation, you might. Looking up, Kendra saw that Parrot Girl was mock scowling at her. My Arnold impression wins awards. I could have been a contender. Kendra raised an eyebrow. Now you're, uh, you're mixing references. Parrot Girl shrugged and stood up, looming over Kendra as much as a four-foot-tall girl who looked to weigh about seventy pounds can be said to loom. You okay? the girl asked. Kendra made a kind of sour face. We're in Europe, right? Parrot Girl nodded. Not sure okay is how I'd put it. My stomach has calmed down. I don't feel like I'm going to have a seizure. But I'm confused and winded and, well, it's been a really, really long day. She paused and frowned. What? asked Parrot Girl. My mom, uh, I'm worried that she's worried. I'll get her a message, the other girl said, and I can personate you too. Kendra kept scowling. Trust me, she said, and get some sleep. She gestured for Kendra to follow her. I bet there's at least one room in here that's out of the wind and the rain. It's not raining, Kendra replied, standing up a bit shakily to follow the girl. It will. It always does. Kendra did sleep, very soundly, without dreams, without pause, without discomfort, which, she realized as she stretched and popped her spine, was a bit odd since she'd slept on a stone floor. The sun was coming in through a small, high window, and she looked around to see that Parrot Girl was still asleep, curled up in a nest of wings and blonde hair and lace. I'm in a Scottish castle with a fairy, she thought, and went to look around. Parrot Girl had brought her food the night before, some soup, still hot, and crackers and a box of Pop-Tarts, and, most strange, a six-pack of some kind of chocolate drink in bottles that seemed left over from World War II. It had been a bit fizzy and tasty, and she assumed Parrot Girl wouldn't have saved her from the painted men if she'd been meaning to poison her. So she'd eaten the food, laid back to relax, and fallen asleep. The first good sleep I've had? Uh, she couldn't remember. Her sleep had always been buggered by her drugs, or worry about her mom, or worry about school, or just stuff. She'd never been a good sleeper. Until last night. Probably all the excitement? The shock? Or whatever? Probably? But she realized, somehow, that it wasn't that. It wasn't a recuperative sleep. It wasn't something her brain and body had done to help her recover from trauma or injury. It was the way she was supposed to be. On a cold stone floor in a ruined Scottish castle, next to a blonde child with giant green wings, she had found peace.
It felt like being clean after a day sweating in the sun and dirt. It felt like the air conditioning in a dark movie theater, like the moment she first juggled three balls successfully, like finishing a good book in a long series and knowing there was so much more to come, like bumping into a friend in a strange place. Peaceful. I feel peaceful. Part of her mind insisted that she be afraid of everything that had happened to her. But it was an invented part, an imaginary part, like when you purposefully make shadows seem scary after seeing a horror movie. You know it's just a coat rack, but ooh, oogie boogie, fun to scare yourself. That part of her brain, the conscious editor, was saying, you should be afraid and upset. But I'm not. Kendra strolled out onto the walkway surrounding the tower room they'd slept in and looked at the sky. It was bright with blues and yellows and other things. She saw some kind of glowing rope appear in a wave and settle back to earth. There were specks in the distance that made a kind of harmony that wasn't really made of sound. There was a, a dragon or a lizard, something, sleeping on top of a cloud, and somehow she knew that it was part of the cloud. The breeze brought her new sense. The stones told her stories through her bare feet, and the trees in the distance spelled words that she could now read. Soft footfalls behind her. She didn't turn. A tiny hand on her shoulder. Welcome home, sister, Parrot Girl whispered and Kendra nodded as the tears began. It was a good long cry, the kind that emptied all the junk you couldn't say out loud. Curled up with her head on Parrot Girl's lap, Kendra sobbed for at least an hour. The great green wings petted her back and shoulders, the breeze from them drying her tears. And finally she sat up, chuckling a little. What's funny? Parrot Girl asked, grinning. I was remembering your Austrian accent. Uh, my excellent Arnold impersonation, you mean. Rubbing her eyes, Kendra nodded. Yeah, that is exactly what I meant. Parrot Girl patted her knee. You ready for breakfast? Kendra shook her head. No, first some answers. Okay by me, the other girl said, but for answers we should either go to the top or the bottom. Kendra looked confused. Of what and why? Parrot Girl stood, held out her hand, and helped Kendra to her feet. Of here, because it's important. Kendra looked down at the little blonde girl, wings now invisible, and said, Whatever you say, your circus, your monkeys, up or down. <laughs> Good, Parrot Girl agreed with a nod. We'll start with up. She turned and took two steps across the stones, put one foot up, and began walking up the vertical wall of the castle. Kendra followed without thinking, still holding her hand. The world looks different sideways, she thought. Not bad, just different. It was a short walk when you removed the consideration of gravity and climbing. The tower was really only about eight stories tall, or so above the wall they'd been on. At the top, Parrot Girl simply pivoted and hopped over the crenellated wall, and Kendra followed. Stone floor, stone wall, and a hole leading to what Kendra assumed had been a stairway. Weathered and broken in places, but with a marvelous view of a hilly green countryside. 
She turned in a full circle one way, then paused and turned in the other, taking in all the sights and sounds and other senses she now had. Okay, she said finally. We're at the top. Question and answer time. Fair enough, Parrot Girl said, sitting down on the stone floor of the tower. Kendra, following suit, asked the first question that came to mind. What domain are you from? Parrot Girl poked her in the knee with a bony little finger. That, she exclaimed, is both an excellent question and a stupid one. Kendra stuck her tongue out. Fair enough, sister, Parrot Girl said. You know nothing, and it's hard to remember that, just like that crow thing said. You heard that? You were there? Nope, you talk in your sleep. And I said, you said, Corva is right. I'm not stupid. I just don't know anything. And you know who Tess Corva is? No, but you talked more, and I'm good at context. Kendra clucked her tongue and cracked a knuckle against her jaw. Okay, whatever, so just answer my question. Parrot Girl stood, shook out her giant green wings to their full span, and curtsied. I, whom you call Parrot Girl, am widely and famously known as Vanya Tacitus of House Chaotic, of the Fluid Court. The House Chaotic? Parrot Girl, Vanya, Kendra supposed she should call her now, dropped back onto the floor, her wings disappearing again behind her. Yes, the House Chaotic, the domain of chaos, bender of rules, breaker of lines, the dance of dice, the cut of cards, the whimsy of weather, the, uh, the abuser of alliteration. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it was Vanya's turn to stick out her tongue. So there is a domain of chaos. Okay, Kendra mused out loud, and sight. And Uncle Bran mentioned release, and I think I heard something about dirt. <laughs> that made Vanya snort and laugh so hard she started choking. Domain of dirt! <laughs> I will remember that. Oh, that Greenman will spit out nettles on that one. <laughs> After about a minute of that, Kendra reached out and gave Vanya a flick on her earlobe. Hey, what's up with that? This tutorial will take days, if not weeks, if everything I say that's stupid and ignorant sends you off into peals of derisive laughter, Kendra said. It gets old, fast. Vanya sat up and brushed imaginary dirt from her dress. Point taken. I will aspire to an attitude of respect and professionalism while we abide within the Tudor castle. Kendra waited with a straight face, knowing that Parrot Girl wouldn't be able to resist laughing at her own pun. But apparently she didn't get it herself, so... Sight, chaos, release, and... Right! Vanya said, counting off on her fingers as she recited a poem in a sing-songy voice. Earth, the mother, first and last, bearing blood the eldest sign. Chaos leaves the pattern path, draws out sight to spy and find. Flux pulls power from the round. Increase seeks the gain of gain. Release opposes any bounds. Ever-balanced, poised domains. Each and every, all and one. Seven equal, seven done. It seemed to Kendra that she heard and understood the poem in several languages at once, and that it rhymed, or at least had a kind of lyrical meter in each. So, seven domains, she said, counting them as she went through the poem in her memory. Yep. And the poem defines them, basically. It's not just a definition, it's our history, Vanya replied. Well, a short history. Vanya turned her head to one side and regarded Kendra with a very serious level stare, a stare that was way, way too mature for the small child she seemed. Listen again, 
she said softly, and repeated her recitation. Earth the mother, first and last. In the other less familiar languages, Kendra heard the sounds of water and wind, smelled the ash of volcanic clouds and the salt of shallow seas. Creatures moved upon the lands and waters, in the air and through the rock, and within the wood and moss. They were the earth, not just on the earth as were mundane men and the animals she knew from childhood. They were of the earth, as much a part of the landscape as a mountain or canyon. They were connected to its her, she felt herself corrected, to her seasons and elements. These were the naturals, as she'd heard Tess call them, creatures whose lives rose from the world itself. And it's her, her rhythms and depths. Bearing blood, the eldest sign. The things she heard and saw next are closer to what she'd call human, creatures that seek to control their destiny more than accept it, individuals who became aware of how their interactions could help or hinder each other, the value of hunting in groups, the uses of stone and stick and fire, the beginnings of language, but not as Kendra understands it, the first language of intentional ways rather than those that live and die with the shifting of seasons and continents. Tribes join together to harvest scarce resources, share lore and craft, and eventually fight and kill others. Deliberate murder, but also deliberate mercy. The love of family and clan beyond simple survival. This is blood, the ties of strength, honor, and obligation that bind us to those who came before and gave us life and those we bear and raise. Chaos leaves the patterned path. For a very long time, only earth and blood, a very, very long time, time for lands and seas to shift. And then as tribe and clan began to form what humans would eventually call civilization, a rejection of the patterns of blood, not just resentment over losing a mate or wealth or status, but a true hatred of the definitions of mate, wealth, and status, a distrust of the systems necessary to maintain them, but also a rejection of the choiceless patterns of earth, a desire for individual action, a love of surprise of personal definition into the relatively stable world of earth and blood. The rise of chaos brings both confusion and even greater development. Freedom! For in the breaking of patterns, more are revealed. Draws out sight to spy and find. The birth of sight is an almost instantaneous reaction to that of chaos. At least in terms of history, only ten or so generations after chaos begins to warp the ways of blood and earth, one family, a father and his two sons, found it much more rewarding to examine the effects of chaos and the reactions of blood and earth than to participate. Language as Kendra understands it was born, and then eventually writing. When the world had only two houses, earth and blood, their interactions were largely predictable, universal, and repetitious. 
the introduction of chaos created realms of new and different possibilities, the domain of sight was the first to specifically and intentionally create a new domain. Chaos, appropriately enough, had no specific founder. Or he, she, it, they were lost in antiquity, or confused purposely by the house chaotic itself, or not, or both. Flux pulls power from the round. With the addition of chaos, Kendra saw ebbs and flows of power moving through the world. Tribes of blood gained influence. Reckoners of chaos tore them down or built them up on a whim. Children of Earth used the advice of sight to better understand their own ways, and then chaos distracted them. Vast changes took place on scales much greater than ever before, and much more rapid. One group of reckoners of sight realized that changes generate power in and of themselves. It doesn't matter who wins and who loses, as long as there is a winner and a loser. Stability is less energetic to test their theories. They strayed from the way of sight, which sought only to observe and record, and introduced changes of their own. Small at first, these touches began to affect greater and greater swaths of reckoners. And for the first time, they began to draw mundanes into the fray. Before this, there was no real contact between the two groups. Mundanes either perceived reckoners as part of the world, as they understood it, a world devoid of ways, or they saw only enough to cause confusion and sometimes folklore. But Sight knew that even mundane changes could hold power, that the fall of a great human city could provide energy reckoners could use. Ironically, war was something that the domains learned from mundanes. While there had been interaction between the domains, real conflict between the houses simply hadn't made sense. What use were the ties of blood to chaos? They'd split intentionally from that path. And while blood relied on earth for sustenance, well, so did earth. And sight, well, sight just watched. There was murder, of course, individual combat, duels, revenge. But for one domain to fight another? Unimaginable. Until flux. The group of reckoners who broke away from sight and began to deliberately provoke hostility between blood clans. To put chaos in the path of sight to make their ways break down, to draw reckoners into mundane wars and make them choose sides, all in order to grow the power of their new domain. Thus began the Reckoner Wars. For more than 2,000 years, the wars raged on. Every time there was a break in the fighting, Flux would intervene and tip the balance. Every chance for peace was ruined. The constant turmoil caused great suffering, but also great advances in understanding, power, and lore. Mundane civilizations rose and fell as unknowing allies to the houses. Entire city-states burned and were forgotten as Flux sought to maintain the round, as they called the flow of fortune and loss, life and death. Finally, the domains had learned and gathered enough power to destroy the earth herself, ways of making that could call upon her core to create new creatures and structures, ways of destruction that could wreak havoc on tides and seasons. Earth mourned, blood raged, chaos danced, and only sight understood how close to the edge of annihilation the domains raced. But sight 
by its nature could not act. Not much. Maybe a little here and there. Just a touch. And so, over hundreds of years, sight hoarded lore, and sometimes dribbled it out, helped blood in one battle, and provided intelligence for flux in others, until they saw a moment, a moment where all the greatest warriors could be brought together in one valley, in one place, for a battle that would either end the world or end the war. Kendra recognized that valley and the army of creatures and reckoners and their pet men. She saw Monday on his perch above the fray, and she saw his mentor, Asher, start the slide of sand that released a sea's worth of water onto the battlefield, obliterating the greatest reckoners from all the domains, ending the reign of flux. The Great Flood. The end of the reckoners' war more than seven thousand years ago. Into that vacuum, the leaders of sight provided gentle urging and hints of knowledge to certain groups of survivors. They intentionally split Flux into three domains. There was no way to destroy a house, and so Flux survived, but its children would forever balance its power. Increase seeks the gain of gain. Unlike Flux, the domain of Increase was not interested in change unless it was positive. What the elders of Increase learned from sight is that long-term gain is not aided by change for its own sake, that true growth may require alteration, but not loss or destruction. Ever since, Increase stood very much opposed to flux in most situations. Release opposes any bounds. Essentially a check on all other domains, the Masters of Sight provided the first generation of release with lore that allowed them to create and develop ways that only and ever worked in opposition to codes, laws, and patterns. While other houses often confuse the workings of release with chaos, nothing could be further from the truth. Chaos loved anarchy and disorder. Release just wants to be left alone. Any major effort on the part of another house to gain an upper hand was almost always met with a response from release. Ever balanced, poised domains, each and every, all and one. And the balance, the poise, each equal, that was the law. Not so much codified after the Great War as understood at a level below even instinct. Seven equal, seven done. Just as she had when Wallace had shown her the way of seeing, Kendra heard, saw, felt, knew all this background history from Vanya's simple repetition of the Song of the Houses. Wow, she said, that's, uh, that's a lot to take in. Vanya smiled. It is, but we grow up understanding our history in the same way you understand what mother and father mean. It's not learned, really. It's bred, Kendra interrupted. Exactly. Part of being a reckoner is, well, being aware of many of the paths and connections that created and shaped the world. Walking the ways, Kendra said, mostly to herself. Exactly. 
The two girls sat there quietly for a little while, thinking, and in Kendra's case, enjoying the newfound clarity. Finally, she asked, So this law that Tess told me about, it's a codification of what? By whom? I don't know, Vanya replied. I haven't studied that at all. I just don't worry about it. Aren't you worried about, I don't know, breaking the law by mistake? I don't think it's laws like that, Vanya said. It's not like shoplifting or speed limits or don't raise llamas in your backyard or all that mundane junk. I think it's more about the domains themselves. And I don't need to know about that. I just do what I want or what the brothers tell me. The brothers? Kendra looked around, wondering if some new set of players was about to materialize on the scene. Yeah, the Red Brothers. The Hands of Chaos. First of my domain. Head of the house. And who are these Red Brothers? Vanya's wings became visible for just a moment, twitching behind her, and then settling back into visibility. It seemed to Kendra that the question had made her nervous. I'm, uh... Normally, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Why not? We are chaos. A known, acknowledged leader is much less, uh... Kendra nodded. Chaotic. Right. All the other domains, they'll tell you right off. She ticked them off on her fingers. Solomon Monday, Hahang Su, Gareth Ezer, Lady Percy, Sekamib Senbi. Kendra followed along, counting as she went. That's only five. Oh, Earth doesn't have a leader. Earth is Earth. Okay, well, that explains nothing, thought Kendra. But your, uh, Red Brothers? That's what the first Hands of Chaos called themselves. Or himself, or herself, or itself. Nobody knows. Could have been one guy, or ten ladies, or Shaheshkahat. Knowing would be less chaotic. You catch on fast. But, and here she raised a tiny finger, we in the house know our own hands, and for some reason not explained to one as lowly as I, the Red Brothers have told me to name them to you. Kendra frowned. That sounds like a big deal. I'm not sure I want to know. I mean, why should I? Why would they? Or he. Right. Or he. Why would they? Or he. Or she. Shut up. Why would your hands want me to know who they are? Parrot girl just sat there grinning like an idiot, waiting for Kendra to figure it out. Kendra almost got pissed enough to snap at Vanya, but instead she just thought. Finally, she smiled, too. More chaos, the two girls said at the same time. Good girl, Vanya said. My hands have told me to tell you that in this incarnation, the Red Brothers are the woman who is known to others as Shivain Oro. Vanya reached into a pocket of her skirt, pulled out a plain gold ring with a small round red stone. Wear this, she said, handing it to Kendra. If you need the help of chaos, break the stone. It's only glass, and Chevane will come to your aid. Kendra put the ring on and then looked up at Vanya. Or she won't. Ha! laughed Vanya. Well, I don't know. That's... She stopped and looked puzzled. Well, okay. Actually, you're right. I don't know for sure. But she told me that she'd captured a way of chaos in the stone. If you break it, you will release that way and... Well, she again fell silent. I like you she finally said to Kendra, her child's face very serious. Kendra chuckled. I like you too, parrot girl. So I mean, yes, I guess you're right. I have no idea what will happen if you break the ring. But it is from Chevain, and I think... I really think she does mean you well. I think she'd even like it if you chose Chaos as your house. That may be why she told me to tell you her name, because if you join us, you'd have learned it anyways. Kendra nodded. Okay. I'll take that at face value, but for now... I'm hungry. 
She stood up and dusted off the butt of her jeans. Where can we get something to eat around here? Vanya smiled. You're with chaos, honey. If we wander around these fields long enough, we'll trip on a picnic basket. Kendra laughed. She knew a lot more than she had when she'd woken up this morning, and way, way lots more than when she'd fallen asleep in the topiary garden. How do you find a random chaotic picnic basket, she asked. Vanya stood up and gestured for Kendra to take her hand. Together they went down the old, cold stone stairs, and Parrot Girl explained several of the ways in which chaos called up its power. Rhyming, she said, is an excellent start. Can you guess why? Kendra thought hard as they descended the stairs. I'm sorry, but I can't. Why do words rhyme? asked Vanya, as they passed through what looked like a ruined guard chamber and out into the daylight. Because some words sound the same, she said, lamely. That's the definition of rhyme. Yes, dummy. Vanya tweaked her ear as they wandered down the hill towards a nearby field. But why do we care? Why do we even notice? We like patterns, Kendra said, without even thinking. That was just true. Exactly. But what does the sound of a word have to do with its meaning? Well, except for obvious onomatopoeia like moo. Nothing, really. Exactly, Vanya said again and skipped away into the tall grass. And then it dawned on her. Words rhyme, so we put them together in new ways to match them up. Ways that wouldn't be a pattern except for the rhyme. We purposely confuse sound and meaning. It's a method of madness. And we like it! Chaos! She shouted at her friend, who was now rolling in the grass, her wings extended behind her. Indeed! hollered Vanya back at her. Following Parrot Girl's lead, she flopped down on her back in the field of long grass and rolled. She noticed the new red ring on her finger and wondered if maybe it wasn't a powerful, chaotic way. Maybe it was nothing but empty, ordinary glass. Either way, she thought, it's pretty.